Penumbra is a global healthcare company focused on innovative technologies. It is advancing the field of embolization forward with this complete platform that includes Ruby, Pod, and liquid metal packing coil that are designed for versatility and softness. Learn more at penumbrainc.com. Welcome to the Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR Publications. You can learn more on our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. This episode provides audio abstracts of papers published in the September 2023 issue of SIR's Journal of Vascular and Interventional Radiology. You can find the full papers on jvir.org. My name is Ramel Goche, and I'm your host for this episode. Hello, my name is Emily Barr, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine at New Mexico State University. I will be reading the abstract titled, An Interim Analysis of the First 102 Patients Treated in the Prospective Vertebral Augmentation Sacroplasty Fracture Registry by Beal and colleagues. Purpose, to evaluate the efficacy of sacroplasty for treating sacral insufficiency fractures, including the effect on pain relief, patient function, and adverse event rates in an as-treated, on-label prospective data registry. Materials and methods. Observational data, including patient-reported outcomes, patient characteristics, osteoporosis treatment, fracture duration, cause of sacral fractures, and image guidance used for treatment were collected for patients undergoing sacroplasty. The patient-reported outcomes were collected at baseline, then at one, three, and at six months following the procedure. The primary outcomes were pain as measured by the numerical rating scale, and function as measured by the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire. Secondary outcomes included adverse events, cement leakage, new neurologic events, readmissions, and death. Results. The interim results for the first 102 patients included significant pain reduction with mean pain improvement scores at six months decreasing from 7.8 to 0.9 with a p-value of less than 0.001 and significant improvement in function with mean Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire scores improving from 17.7 to 5.2 with a p-value of less than 0.001. Most procedures, 58%, were performed under fluoroscopy. There was cement leakage in 17.7 of the subjects, but only one adverse event, which was a new neurologic deficit related to cement extravasation. The readmission rate was 16%, mostly due to additional back pain and fractures, and there were no subject deaths. Conclusions. Sacroplasty with cement augmentation for acute, subacute, and chronic painful sacral insufficiency fractures caused by osteoporosis or neoplastic disorders results in highly significant improvements in pain and function with very low rate of procedural-related adverse events. Hello, my name is Joya Chwanje, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell. I'll be reading the abstract titled, Effectiveness and Safety of Intra-Arterial Imipenin-slash-Silostatin Sodium Infusion for Patients with Hand Osteoarthritis-Related Interphalangeal Joint Pain by Liang and colleagues. Purpose to evaluate the effectiveness and safety of intra-arterial imipenin-slash-silostatin sodium 
or IPM slash CS infusion for painful interphalangeal joint osteoarthritis. Materials and methods. 58 patients with interphalangeal joint osteoarthritis who underwent intra-arterial IPM slash CS infusion were retrospectively evaluated. Intra-arterial infusions were performed via percutaneous risk arterial access. The numerical rating scale, functional index for hand osteoarthritis, and patient global impression of change scale scores were assessed at intervals of 1, 3, 6, 12, and 18 months. Clinical success was evaluated based on patient global impression of change. Results. All patients were followed up for at least six months after treatment. Of them, 30 patients were followed up for 12 months and six were followed for 18 months. No severe or life-threatening adverse events were encountered. The mean numerical rating score was 6.0 plus or minus 4 at baseline, which significantly decreased to 2.8 plus or minus 1.4, 2.2 plus or minus 1.9, and 2.4 plus or minus 1.9 at 1, 3, and 6 months after treatment, respectively, all with p-value less than 0 0.001. The mean numerical rating scores were 2.8 plus or minus 1.7 at 12 months and 2.9 plus or minus 1.9 at 18 months in the remaining patients. The mean functional index for hand osteoarthritis score significantly decreased from 9.8 plus or minus 5.0 at the baseline to 4.1 plus or minus 3.5 at 3 months with a p-value less than 0 0.001. The mean functional index for hand osteoarthritis score was 4.5 plus or minus 3.3 at 12 months in the remaining 30 patients. The clinical success rates based on patient global impression of change at 1, 3, 6, 12, and 18 months were 62.1%, 77.6%, 70.7%, 63.4%, and 50% respectively. Conclusions Intra-arterial IPM slash CS infusion is a potential treatment option for interphalangeal joint osteoarthritis refractory to medical management. Hello, my name is Joan Huang, and I am a fourth-year medical student at A.T. Still University School of Osteopathic Medicine in Arizona. I will be reading the abstract titled, Middle Meningeal Artery Embolization with Liquid Embolic Agents for Chronic Subdural Hematoma, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis by Mola and colleagues. Purpose, to assess the efficacy and safety of middle meningeal artery or MMA embolization with liquid embolic agents and the outcomes of patients following this procedure. Materials and methods. A review of the literature was conducted to identify studies investigating the efficacy and safety of MMA embolization with liquid embolic agents in patients with chronic septural hematoma in PubMed, Scopus, Embase, and Web of Science. The key words liquid embolic agent, middle meningeal artery, chronic septural hematoma, and embolization, as well as their synonyms, were used to build up the search strategy. The R statistical software and random effects model were used for analysis. Heterogeneity was reported as I squared, and publication bias was calculated using the Egger test. Results of 628 articles retrieved, 14 studies were eligible to be included in this study. Data of 276 patients were analyzed. N-butyl cyanoacrylate and ethylene vinyl alcohol copolymer were the most commonly used embolic agents. This study revealed a pooled mortality rate of 0%, recurrence and failure rate of 3%, reoperation rate of 4%, 
rate of size decrease of 94%, success rate of 100%, and adverse event rate of 1%. Conclusions. With low mortality, recurrence, reoperation, and adverse event rates, and a remarkable decrease in the size of hematomas, MMA embolization with liquid embolic agents may be considered a safe and effective treatment option in patients in whom surgical intervention has previously failed and as an alternative to conventional treatments. Hello, my name is Christopher Loisel, and I'm a fourth year at Lincoln Memorial University, DeBus College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'll be reading the abstract titled, Double Barrel Nitinol Stent Placement for Iliocaval Reconstruction. The Effect of Deployment Sequence and Direction on Final Configuration by Lee and Colleagues. Double barrel stent placement across the iliocaval confluence is commonly used for the treatment of chronic bilateral iliocaval occlusion. The difference in the deployment outcomes of synchronous parallel stent deployment versus asynchronous or anti-parallel deployment and the underlying stent interactions are poorly understood. In this study, synchronous parallel, asynchronous parallel, and anti-parallel strategies of double-barrel nitinol self-expanding stent deployment across the iliocaval confluence were contrasted in vivo in three swine, followed by assessment of the explanted stent construct. Synchronous parallel stent deployment achieved a desired double-barrel configuration. The asynchronous parallel and anti-parallel deployment strategies both resulted in a crushed stent despite subsequent simultaneous balloon angioplasty. These animal model results suggested that in patients who undergo double-barrel iliocaval reconstruction, synchronous parallel stent deployment may provide the desired stent confirmation and increase the chance for clinical success. Hello, my name is Benjamin Ellison, and I am a fourth-year medical student at the Medical University of South Carolina. I will be reading the abstract titled Radioembolization with Yttrium-90 Glass Microspheres as a First-Line Treatment for Unresectable Intrahepatic Langeocarcinoma, a Prospective Feasibility Study, by Kiss and colleagues. Purpose, to evaluate the safety and effectiveness of Yttrium-90 or Y90 radioembolization as first-line treatment for unresectable intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, or ICC. Materials and Methods this prospective study enrolled patients who had never received chemotherapy, liver embolization, and radiation therapy. The tumors were solitary in 16 patients, multiple in 8 patients, unilobar in 14 patients, and bilobar in 10 patients. Patients underwent transarterial radioembolization with Y90-labeled glass microspheres. The primary endpoint was hepatic progression-free survival. Secondary endpoints were overall survival, tumor response, and toxicity. Results, 24 patients aged 72.3 plus or minus 9.3 years were included in the study. The median delivered radiation dose was 135.5 gray with an interquartile range of 77.6 gray. The median hepatic progression-free survival was 5.5 months. Analysis failed to identify any prognostic factor associated with hepatic progression-free survival. Imaging response at three months showed 56% disease control, and the best radiographic response was 71% disease control. The median overall survival from the radioembolization treatment was 19.4 months. 
Patients with solitary ICC had significantly longer median overall survival than patients with multifocal ICC, 25.9 months versus 10.7 months with a p-value of 0.02. Patients with progression on the three-month imaging follow-up had significantly shorter median overall survival than patients who had stable disease at three months, 10.7 months versus 37.3 months with a p-value of 0.003 two grade three toxicities were reported. Conclusions. First-line treatment of ICC with radioembolization showed promising overall survival and minimal toxicity, especially in patients with solitary tumor. Radioembolization may be considered as first-line treatment for unresectable ICC. Hello, my name is Jack Fickey, and I'm a third-year medical student at the Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. I'll be reading the abstract titled, Robot-Assisted Transarterial Chemoembolization of Hepatocellular Carcinoma Using a Coaxial Microcatheter Driving Controller Responder Robot System Clinical Pilot Study by Kim and colleagues. Purpose, to evaluate the feasibility and safety of robot-assisted transarterial chemoembolization, or TACE, for hepatocellular carcinoma using a new coaxial microcatheter driving controller responder robot system. Materials and methods. A single center prospective pilot study approved by the Institutional Review Board was conducted using this controller responder robot developed after analyzing 20 cases of conventional taste procedures from May to October, 2021. The study included 10 patients with hepatocellular carcinomas five patients with a median age of 72 years and a range of 64 to 73 years underwent robot-assisted TACE, and another five patients with a median age of 57 years and a range of 44 to 76 years underwent conventional TACE for comparison. The feasibility and safety of robot-assisted TACE were evaluated by assessing the technical success, procedure time, adverse event rate, radiation dose, and early tumor response. Results. The entire TACE procedure was divided into 30 steps, of which eight could be robotized. In robot-assisted TACE, technical success was achieved in four or 80% of five patients. No procedure-related adverse event was observed. The median procedure time was 56 minutes. At the one-month follow-up, Three of the four patients showed a complete or partial response after robot-assisted TACE. The median radiation doses for the operator and patients were 0.4 and 2,167.5 microsieverts in robot-assisted TACE and 53.2 and 2,989.7 microsieverts in conventional TACE, respectively. Conclusions. Robot-assisted TACE using a new controller-responder robot system was feasible and safe for the treatment of hepatocellular carcinoma and could remarkably decrease radiation exposure for the operators. Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Waje, and I am a fourth-year medical student at Chicago Medical School at Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science. I will be reading the abstract titled, A Five-Year Update on the IR Residency Match 2022 National Survey Results of Program Directors and Matched Applicants Compared with 2017 by Matsumoto and colleagues. Purpose, 
to characterize the experiences of matched applicants and program directors in the 2022 International Radiology Residency Match and compare with the 2017 data. Materials and methods. Surveys were distributed to IR program directors and matched applicants from the 2022 match. Findings were compared with those of 2017 using the two sample t-test and Fisher exact test. Results. In total, 68 matched applicants and 47 program directors responded. Collected demographic traits were similar, including ongoing male predominance. Moreover, 86% of matched applicants and 87% of program directors were satisfied with matched outcomes. Compared with those in 2017, matched applicants applied to more IR programs, matched applicants reported more research and abstracts or publications and ranked these as more important than program directors did. Approximately 82% of program directors gave special attention to candidates who completed a visiting rotation at their institution. 60% of matched applicants and 95% of program directors believed virtual interviews resulted in over-interviewing. Both agreed they provided convenience and accessibility. Furthermore, 63% of matched applicants believed a step one pass-fail system will be less equitable for applicants. Additional data on demographics, medical school experiences, applications, interviews, intern year, and rank process were reported. Conclusions. Satisfaction with matched results remained high for 2017 and 2022, although efforts are needed to improve applicants' ability to navigate the application process, address over-applying, and evaluate concerns regarding the Step 1 pass-fail system. These survey findings will help inform applicants and program directors for future match cycles. We'd like to thank everyone who helped with this episode. My name is Manbir Singh Sandhu, and I'm a second-year medical student at University of California, Riverside School of Medicine, and I was your audio editor. The research from this episode appears in the September 2023 issue of JVIR, and you can visit jvir.org for the full papers, other audio content, and much more.